This is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network. Welcome to Heroes Garage. This is a weekly podcast where we review shows and movies that show up on streaming services. Mr. Bell, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Staying warm. You, Tom? I am staying warm. I'm in working from home mode. I took a job which is almost 100% virtual for the moment. Wow. I've been uh, working on home since uh, end of October, so I'm... I'm kind of liking it, actually. It's like, you're a veteran. I uh, For the last year, while everybody was huddled up in their homes, I was going back and forth to my job. And so I didn't necessarily feel a huge squeeze in that regard. But now I am feeling the squeeze as I spend probably 97.5% of my entire life in my living room. <laughs> yeah, it gets crazy. I tell you, it's like, <clears throat> and then when it drops and gets lots of snow and then, you get that cabin fever, and I understand that completely. I understand cabin fever now. Um, I've always, I didn't realize how much time I probably spent out of the house, driving around, listening to sports radio, um, just kind of wandering the land. No, it wasn't that bad. But, um, <laughs> but now with this, with this, yeah, it's kind of weird though, because most people like this topic, Harry. I'm very sensitive. This topic that we're we're like launching into people have been living this for 10 months and they're like yes, Can exactly. not talk about the thing we've been doing for 10 months exactly let's move on Segway. Segway. let's move on to our topic tonight which is hillbilly elegy this is a movie and it's on netflix and it's a a ron howard directed movie we have a writer by the name of jd vance and vanessa taylor and it's starring Amy Adams, Glenn Close, Gabriel Basso, and a host of others. So this is a movie that you watched with your wife right. and loved it. It's also got Frida yes. Pinto, Bo Hopkins, Owen Asatalaos, that was horrible, Jesse wow. Boyd, and others. Um, yeah, you and your wife watched this and loved it and I kind of skipped over this, if I'm being completely honest. I thought, you know, I've heard good things about it, but I'm not sure I want to spend two hours watching this. But then after you watched it, I felt motivated to jump on board and and enjoy this. And I was actually, I had a much different experience with this than what I thought I was going to have. Yeah, I mean, it was it was hanging out there on my Netflix radar for a bit. And... Um, because I heard a lot of things about it too, mm-hmm. and not not all good. But uh, <laughs> I decided, okay, 
I'm going to plunge and just do it anyway. Yes, you took the plunge. And I'm going to head in the direction that you hinted. Um, This is getting a 26% on the tomato meter, but an 85% from the audience score. So this is where we have what we would call in the industry a divergence. Yes, or also a discrepancy. (laughs) That's a better word, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So it's one of those things, Tom, and we've gone through this before with uh, audiences and critics. And, uh, you know, we've seen movies where the critics have loved a movie and the audience have hated it. And then the audience have loved a movie and the critics have hated it. And so this is definitely something that has become quite uh, a discussion and debate within the critic world because when the nominations came out, Glenn Close was nominated for the Golden Globes (laughs) (laughs) for uh, supporting female nominee. And Amy Adams and Glenn Close were both nominated for the SAG Awards. Oh, wow. So we we this is not this is not uncommon for the these type of I don't want to say academies, but I guess they are academies to thumb their nose to the critics. I like it because I have come to the opinion and Bill I'm going to reveal this this opinion to the world. I have come, and this is yeah, we had this conversation. Uh, so a few years ago, I started getting into the comic book community, and this is not going to be too long. Audience, please stick with us. <laughs> I won't go too far. Into this. Okay, so and it just seemed like, and it took me a little while, but I started to realize the pulse of that community, and I think this critic community, the movie critic community, is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. You have a stream of groupthink consciousness where people feel the need to watch it as soon as possible, get an opinion out there, and they just borrow off each other's opinions. And I have come to the belief that these opinions are not worth literally a thing. I don't think that they are based on a framework. I don't think they're based on any kind of critical analysis. I think for the most part, it's basically people trying to jump on board and follow the pack. I that yeah. is just my opinion. I don't. And what you do is you find specific critics, and this I you had to do with comic books, and now I'm doing it with movies. You find specific critics that you tend to agree, or you understand, or you can recognize at least a framework or a way of how they're thinking about the movie, and it's more elevated than just throwing opinions on a wall. And I, I really do think that most of the critics are in that opinion where it's just there's really not much there. Yeah, I think well, well said. This is me clapping. I'm yes. standing up and clapping. So there you go. Uh, definitely. Um, and we anybody who's listened to us any um, length of time knows that this is exactly how we feel um, when we get into such a divergence of or discrepancy of reviews. I mean, this, this is huge from critic to audience and you have to see that there is an underlining tone or hatred that is going on here 
that for some reason I just can't explain. I've read some of the reviews. I've talked to some critics, and I'm just amazed that you're right. There's no substance to their yeah. critique whatsoever other than I didn't buy it. Okay, since when does that become a line in their critique? There has to be a lot more to that. Okay, so what didn't you buy? Why well, didn't like the performance? Well, that now is up for debate because you have Glenn Close and Amy Adams putting out a great, great performance here. And with, quite frankly, a storyline that is very difficult to watch. And yeah. it's and it's hard to watch, if, especially if you've ever been in this type of lifestyle and this has been normal to you. But if this isn't, there is kind of a rawness that's here, but it's not over the top. And that's what I like the most, because a lot of times you could really get over a top in a dysfunctional family where there is so much extreme. And then you're like, well, now I know why they made a movie about this. But it, that wasn't here. It was just raw dysfunctional that doesn't have to have an over top type of um uh, experience that makes you just repulsed yeah. and if you, you know what I mean and I think that's what, what's so good about it and you know I there's a critic that I really do like and it's he's in Chicagoland and it is Richard Roper and you know what Richard Roper is his own man is his own reviewer and guess what he gave it four stars so that says something that he is unabashedly going to rate it according to what he sees, where this rotten tomato world, quite frankly, is just becoming rotten. It is. And I would say the people score, which I have labeled the IMDB rating score, has it at a 6.8. So, yeah, I would say well stated. Let's We'll transition over here to the story. So this, uh, I'll just read right off of imdb but then we'll imdb we'll we'll dive into this a little further and kind of pick the story apart a little bit uh this is an, an urgent phone call pulls a yale law student back to his ohio home where he reflects on three generations of family history and his own future and basically this story goes back it does it uses flashbacks as part of the storytelling tool and it tells the story basically of the Yale law student and his upbringing, what he witnessed and experienced in his home, adjustments and challenges that went on with his mother. It gets into addiction issues. It gets into familial kind of dynamics between mothers and daughters and grandsons. It gets into um, socioeconomic. It touches on a lot of socioeconomic issues through the eyes of a very poor white Caucasian family, Mm -hmm. which I think is um, interesting in that um, I'm not sure that this demographic, should I say the statement? I I think I have to say it because I started to say it, but then we can also just kind of deny that it's even true. But what I was starting to say is that I'm not sure that this dynamic, that particular group of people has um, been um, treated did all that well in film yeah i was gonna say properly portrayed yes thank you there you go that's better better 
I think it's oftentimes used in comedic movies. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's often, oftentimes it's a trope that they throw into award-winning shows where if they want to portray a group of people as being ignorant, um, if they want to portray them as having racist beliefs, if they want to paint them into some kind of corner, um, they will do it with this group. And I think that's probably potentially part of the difficult piece for the critics that don't have much of a framework is I don't know that they're looking past that that trope. So, you know, I just jumped into the deep end of the well. With that. <laughs> you <laughs> sure did. Well, I don't know if I can reel you back. So, um, <laughs> no, you're right. It, it, this, this is the. Where, where am I? Where'd you go? It's it's nighttime already, and Tom's in the middle of the lake. Uh, it, yeah, it's. You know, I, I agree, and uh, I think that's what makes this story interesting. Is yes, it's it's done with the flashbacks, but um, it's not short flashbacks. It's it's good chunks of story and. What you're right, it's not properly betrayed. It's usually done very much like a bunch of Neanderthals here, um, where this is not that at all. There is people that have just perpetuated um, bad social behavior, socioeconomic behaviors, and it just continues um, as much as it could be in the ghetto. Right. It mm-hmm. is a, a character study of bad behavior uh, will more than likely produce bad behavior. And yeah, and it's and that's what makes this deep. This is a lot deeper than the critics um, gave it. It's like they didn't even they whiffed it. They smelled it and said, I don't like it. Right. Right. They, they, right. Gave, it, they gave it a sniff test without actually opening it up and, and tasting it. And there is a lot here. There, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of interesting parts, and they and they show it all. And I think the the reason why it it's not sensationalized, and that's why people like it, is you get to actually tell people this is where they are, this is where they've been, this is their history, this is somebody who's pulled out of it, now being brought back into it, and you understand his frustration because of what he left behind. Yeah, and that is all good, and there's so much there that, quite frankly, it makes it for a great storytelling experience, and you get to watch it again without being sensationalized, without being over the top, and this is just who they are. Not everybody is screaming at each other, running knives down the street, right? This right. is something that this is how people are living in this. Caucasian low income situation and they tried to I'm going to say this last thing I think they're explaining the stereotypes if that makes sense yeah yeah I I um I think that's probably where people but that's also where this shines let me let me just dive deeper into this like when you look at the story, it could have very easily just really disintegrated on itself, where just there's just too many stereotypes, there's too much drama, there's too much minutiae. Um, sometimes there's when they when you portray 
layers of dysfunction, it just becomes convoluted because you don't know what's causing what the most or the least. And it just, you kind of give up on it emotionally. And I did not feel that at all in this film. And I think the reason why is I infuse a little bit of my own analysis into this. I think there was a couple of things that happened with a couple of the characters that with a few of the characters that really, really helped the cause for me. Number one, the Yale student. I think that I have seen that. In fact, I have, I have lived a version of life where I've witnessed that very thing and where I've seen somebody come out of a community that was really poor and who did really, really well in school. And that was an absolute lifeline. Another thing that I loved was just the way the grandma was a positive influence to that to that particular student, uh, to the grandson. That was, was so inspiring. And I can still remember when the key element in the movie, which I don't want to spoil, so I'll just speak cryptically. There is a key part of this movie where they nail it home. And it's just like a, a phrase or a statement from grandma. And then they show some things. And you're like, oh. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I, actually, I believe it. <laughs> and then uh, the third aspect has to do with Amy Adams' character. But go ahead. Yeah, no, you're you're right on key here. It's it's great. We're 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 on the same track, and it's it's good because we saw the same thing here. And because I, I, again, like what you said, this this type of movie could quickly go in off the rails into tropes. And I think that for some reason the critics thought that, but they didn't let it happen. They didn't let it unfold because you're right. There's a, and I love her name, mama. Right. Um, And yeah, there was a a point she made a decision. She came to a decision and, and guess what? It wasn't like this fantastical thing. It was just, you know why she came to this realization and what she saw and she decided to do something and it turned everything in the side events. And it just, it just goes to show what a single decision can do when somebody yeah. stands up yeah. and, and that was great. And it wasn't with a loud music. It wasn't with special effects. It wasn't with Omer over dramatized acting. It happened and it happened naturally. And I think that's, why I like so much about this movie, it was it was so natural, and yeah. and it didn't feel like you're they're manipulating these people and who they were, uh, because even just the beginning of the movie, when somebody when you, when everybody watches the beginning of the movie, it was just it was cool, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to see, you know, that you're in the hills. The Appalachians with these folks and they are poor, but man, they're loving life, right? And this is all they know. And you know, we as a society have these stereotypes towards the poor, and I'm afraid that the critics is still are living the stereotypes. They absolutely are. And I'll throw a stat out there that I learned when I was in school. Like, as much as we talk about all the different variables that go into power differential and socioeconomic disadvantages to the poor, the number, I mean, to, to different segments of society, the number one um, variable that across different ethnic groups that is, describes uh, the, pop, the prison population is poverty. Right. And 
I think that we all need to kind of, I'm going to be on a soapbox here for just a brief second. I think we have to kind of take that to heart. Like the poverty, poverty is, the a war on poverty is really a, a real important thing for our society. And because of the way society is set up, of course, and I'm, I'm not going to fall into this abyss. I just caught myself, Bill. <laughs> I just did. I, I got it. You're going to diverge. That was I, a divergence. Yes, yes I just grabbed on. <laughs> To a ledge. Uh, I'm not going to go there. I, I'm going to get off the box. Um, another thing I liked was Amy Adams' performance as a substance abuser slash addict who just, as much as I didn't like her in Superman, <laughs> Lois Lane, and I know she has her highs and lows, and I know Josh Whedon is to blame for, and I mean that, he is to blame for the horrible diet, uh, just the horrible dialogue in justice league but she is great in this <laughs> like yeah. like great and uh what i mean by that is i didn't get sick of her but i did feel really uncomfortable <laughs> with some of the things she was doing rightly so like you should feel uncomfortable when you see a parent doing that and i love that um the whole glenn close amy adams thing all of it worked. So right. I really liked the, those two characters and the way they kind of um, they kind of bounced and fed off of each other. Well, see, now we're segueing into the acting performances. So we, we like the the plot and how it really has a lot of layers to it that you get to discover. You actually get to discover how this this type of lifestyle perpetuates into. Um, mm-hmm you know, one generation to another and how one was able to break free and you get to witness that and you see mm-hmm. the hurts and the pains of those who have not realized their dreams and who are quite frankly stuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, now in the performances is, yeah, uh, I, I love Amy. I, I am an Amy Adams fan. I really like her. I like yeah. all the movies that she does. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just like her approach to um, mm-hmm. whether it's a science fiction or it's a crime or even Justice League. It's just I just she has a presence to me and I did not recognize her at all. No. And she, she is not the the pretty handpicked Amy Adams that even in she's these other roles with her soft and her tone, she is not Amy Adams. And mm-hmm. that says something to acting because, mm-hmm. you know, in all those other roles that she's been nominated and has been passed over for, I mean, she's acted well in them, but she acts mm-hmm. as Amy Adams in them. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not Amy Adams. And mm-hmm. how you could say that you didn't buy this and the Amy Adams is something else because she is somebody completely different. And now you look at Glenn Close and what I always like, too, when they have these life stories, how you get to see the film reels of people, of what they actually look like. And, oh, my gosh, did Glenn Close nail it? Yeah, she, she looks just like her. Yeah, and, you know, she's, you know, to Glenn Close credit, she has been nominated in so many Oscars, I don't know, six or seven, I think. Mm-hmm. And they said this may finally be the time that she wins. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, we're going to see her all primmed and proper, and we're going to be like, now that's an acting job, mm-hmm. right? 
and Absolutely. she is so good in this. And you know, and her character's complicated. She's played wife, she's played bystander, she's played her daughter, and mm. her roles were complex in her life. And and you got to see that, and you got to see the end result of where her life is, you know, come to, and she portrays that accurately and and it's you know it's not a comfortable movie to watch but at the same time like i said it's not overly top uncomfortable where you're like oh i wish i really didn't see that so um i think their acting performances are great um i think the older jd vance i wasn't too excited about if i give a critique um i think he was okay I thought the younger J.D. Vance was great. The kid mm-hmm. was phenomenal. Um, uh, the one who played his sister as an adult was remarkable. And again, if we actually did give spoilers, what a person she is. Um, that was just amazing. There's so much charm here as well, as much as there is uh, difficulty. And I thought the characters just really really came through for the most part i did too and i just a one final shameless plug for amy adams she captured this thing this characteristic that i've seen and as you know the audience knows i've done social work for a long time she captured an authentic uh, representation for me it felt so authentic is that that even though that her character has substance abuse issues even though she's using disciplinary strategies that are way over the top and damaging, even though she's got all this, you know, she can't hold a job and everything else, she still had that that pride in, in being a human being. Mm-hmm. Like that, um, and if you don't have that, the character falls to pieces. Like you just have mush yeah. if you don't have that. And, right, right. And she, she kept, it there like it's it feels like such a paradox that in real life when you run into it but when you see it on the screen you're like that feels real <laughs> like right, that, that's right. so real so um kind of walking down the the line too i didn't have probably as much of a problem with the older uh yale law student um but i i can understand Stand the critique. He doesn't. He wouldn't win any Oscars, and he's not nominated for any awards. And, and I think that's rightly, right, rightly so. But um, he definitely didn't detract from the movie at all. In fact, no, no. It's like when you're when you're out in the field, and all the big animals are clomping around doing all their thing. Like Amy Adams is like close. You're like, just stay out of the way, and you'll be okay. <laughs> like, just yeah, stay away I mean, from the tall timber, son. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like his is, you know, his is reflective, right? That's his role. Mm-hmm. It's reflective. Um, yeah. Yeah. You see all his anguish and everything that emotionally he has lived through for such a long time. Um, having finally escaped and having to go back is extremely difficult for him. And, um, you, you know, as he's trying to secure a life that and this is these tentacles are drawing him backwards so but overall i i think that the movie is not dry it's not um Mm. hopeless 
it, it is a, a there's a lot that's here that it, it, you know this is a 43 million dollar movie tom um mm-hmm. it's, not a, it's not a little budget either mm-hmm. you know, they probably had to spend some coin on amy adams and glenn close but ron howard did direct this and so he's no slouch and you know he got the rights for this memoir but guess what, Tom? It did great on the New York bestsellers. But guess who poo-pooed it? The critics. I know. So, so there, there is something here that I think there is a, a prejudice that's here um, with the elite, honestly, mm-hmm. towards the the the, um, the the working poor or mm-hmm. just the poor white in general, and. Uh, Man, it's it's just it's a shame because you lose the message, you lose the layers, you lose everything that they learn about social economics and psychology is actually here in the movie that they probably have sat and learned in in a classroom, but it seems like they just participate in the class with actually without learning anything, and. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel their approach to it. And, you know, we, I, I think that anybody listen to us here is, is that it's one of those that you could tell there's a disdain for this, but the audience have obviously saw something and they saw the right thing that the critics just, you know, what Tom said at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. They just kind of lost their minds. It's, um, it's kind of when you major in the minors. And yeah. once you get you get the thing right, and you notice the thing, you're gonna absolutely love this film. Uh, you're gonna love the portrayals of the characters. You're gonna love the story. There's a, a really strong message in here that's attainable, and and you can grasp it and see it. And it's also not overdone. So I think that's that also plays into it. And then I think finally the visuals and entertainment value are strong. I think the pace of this keeps moving it along. It doesn't get bogged down in pockets. Uh, I, at no point did I feel like I needed to just kind of walk away from it and kind of guess at how it turns out. I stayed in front of the TV for the whole thing, which, by the way, Bill, is something to watch. <laughs> you mean when you went to the bathroom, you put it on pause instead of just letting it run? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been doing dishes, washing counters, I've been, you know, getting snacks together. Just like, oh, maybe, maybe I can get through this if I, you know, keep myself busy. I did not do any of that with this. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked it too. I liked how the, the, the you know, we're not giving that much away. That the two storylines really work, and um, you could follow both of them on the same same path, which I liked. Which means that when they do the flashbacks, it's not like a series of flashbacks, but that there is a story to be had as well as in the present, there's a story to be had, too. And so they come together very, very well. And um, kudos to Ron Howard with this. Yes. So ratings, ratings. Bill, what would you rate this overall? Well, I'm definitely going to give it a thumbs up, Tom. Yes. I can't really give it like a number, but I, I, I definitely want to give it a, a thumbs up. And uh, I think it's, again, the audience knows best on this one. Absolutely. 
I'll definitely give it a thumbs up as well. I need to look back. Is this a 2020 film that we're just now getting yeah. around to review? It is, okay. Oh, so the, yeah, I think it's in November, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right, November. So we're looking at a couple of films that are kind of in our discussion. At some point, Bill, as we kind of start landing the plane on this episode, I will do the unadvisable here. And that is that, so we've get, we've both given this a thumbs up, so this is the end of the review of Hillbilly Elegy. But I do think we owe our fans at least a stab at our favorites for the year 2020, and maybe in a future episode we would be able to dive into uh, just a small discussion around what we would consider our favorite movie or limited series of the year. Okay, that sounds like a challenge. Yes. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. It's been fun. All right, Tom. So for now and until next time, this has been Heroes Garage. Bye now.